I'm Colin Horton. I'm an award-winning surveyor, part-time property investor and self-confessed entrepreneur. I believe that business is all about getting to know the people that you're dealing with. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing on this podcast. We'll be having in-depth chats, asking the personal questions and ultimately getting candid. Welcome to season four of Candid. Um, I feel very privileged today because I've got the one and only Tyron Ash on today. Thanks for having me. Star of Mega Mansion Hunters, social media influencer, disruptor, owner of Tyron Ash Real Estate. So thanks, mate, first and foremost. No, I really appreciate having having me on here today. So what, mate? You're so tall. (laughs) <laughs> people don't realise I thought I was tall but I'm not tall in the slide this guy is absolute hunk so <laughs> not, mate. I appreciate it thanks mate yeah, give me some more female um, to be honest yeah I got I got um, I, I was in a video a property walkthrough tour um, recently last week and a lot of the people on the uh, comments were just like how low is the ceiling and it was like no they're normal height I was just I was dominating this house when did you when did you have growth spurt from like early age oh yeah I think I, I got tall very young so um I remember it was quite actually hard in school because I was so tall and so skinny so I was in like my football team and everyone was like four foot nothing and I looked like a 30 odd year old guy so <laughs> I wish I was that tall, mate. It's really sad. My well, missus made me very sure. It was like, um, it got more of a blessing as I got older, I think. Um, definitely. I think when you're young, you don't appreciate it. But so, yeah. Do you think it helps in business, being tall? I think it's nice to have a presence. Um, for me, um, you know, don't get me wrong, I know tall people that are absolute wallies, but like, I think that if you use it in the right way and you can assert yourself in a meeting or face-to-face, I think your height's not going to do you any harm, is it? I mean, this is, I guess this is really the first time you have a podcast where someone starts talking about your height. So. It is actually, yeah, yeah. it's quite good. I mean, it's usually me, it's usually me that brings yeah. it up. <laughs> <laughs> right, so then, I'm pretty sure everyone that's listening is going to know who you are anyway. But for the people that don't, do you want to give us a little bit of background to yourself, mate? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, obviously, I'm yeah, I'm the person who kind of started Tyron Ash Real Estate. So um, we're a luxury real estate brand. We're only about two and a half years as a company. Um, and, you know, we've, we, we really have taken the industry by storm with regards to kind of selling luxury homeowners properties. Um, and I guess we're kind of known for obviously being on that television show, Mega Mansion Hunters. So I think it was like really the first proper television show that was around property, apart from maybe Million Pound Homes, but that was a bit more estate agency. Um so yeah, and then obviously from a, a, a career perspective, I was an estate agent, as you could probably imagine, by trade. So starting when I was like 17, um, had a bit of a colourful uh, checkered past. Um, I got a little frustrated with estate agency as an industry because I was always the top seller, top negotiator, top whatever, in all, out of all the offices who I was up against for a long time. And I just got frustrated because I couldn't earn the money went through a very rebellious streak um, and, you know, it um, it took me down a path where I ended up doing two years in prison. Um, that was a pretty uh, wild turn and I did a lot of soul searching in that period of time. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of, I thought I was done with property. I ended up literally qualifying to be an electrician. Let me tell you something, I was fucking bad at that job. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and um, and then luckily the, I got approached by someone who uh, was my boss when I was younger and just said, would you get back into selling property? Got back into selling luxury property, learned the industry, but 
you know, and kind of it all just sort of unfolded from there. And then Tyrone Ash Real Estate was more sort of born out of probably frustration at the time because I was looking for a company that could accommodate what I wanted to do as a, as a real estate agent and to be able, for me to be able to grow a business properly and no one could accommodate it. I went to a couple and um, they just could not do it. So lo and behold, set the business up and here we are. Nice, mate. I mean, John, one of the things I, I really respect about you is how honest you are about checkered past mm. and stuff. And I mean, how was, how, how was, how was, how was, how was, how was it? Yeah, not right? great, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's, it, it's actually something that I've not had to sort of speak too much in depth about, but it's something that um, shaped me massively because the problem I had, and I've still got an absolutely colossal ego, but the problem is, is that that, that ego was channeled in absolutely the wrong way. So, you know, I was, I was fighting. I was, you know, obviously kind of just had this horrible chip on my shoulder all the time. And it was just kind of like, it was horrible actually carrying it around with me, I remember. But, but being um, in prison, you know, it does humble you very quickly because you're like, okay, shit, it's gone yeah. too far. Your family are destroyed. You know, you realize very quickly that you regret what you've done. Unfortunately, it's too late. Um, and I got, I didn't ever try to assert myself in prison where I was like one of the guys in there. I was very much kept myself to myself. I um, would always occupy myself with whatever I could. Played a lot of poker in there um, because it just made days go um you were you were literally counting down the clock which is an odd thing to do yeah i mean how do you spend uh, how the day what are the days like right. so usually what would happen is certainly in like the um 23 hour bang up which was basically that you would um your doors would get unlocked you would go to the job that you've been allocated um so it might have been an orderly an orderly is someone who maybe cleans or works in the kitchens or something like that for the rest of the prison um, and then for me, I had um, a job which was considered a decent job there um, where I was an orderly in what is the block. So the block is effectively a prison within the prison. So it's basically whenever someone's got in a fight or stabbed someone or whatever it might have been, oh, it goes on, believe me. Jesus. Um, they end up in this little mini prison and this little mini prison has like orderlies who work in there. So the good part with that job was that you you were there on sort of good behavior and stuff. So it meant that you got extra gym sessions, you ate, you got more food, um, you know, and these are all the little essentials you would take for granted in everyday life, but they mean a hell of a lot in there. Um, and you see some ridiculous things in there, you know, I mean, you know, things that kind of, um, you don't, you don't realize how bad society is until you get back, get in there. I mean, you're talking about people who've got no value for their own life. They will, they will stab and kill over a packet of tobacco. Like that is literally how cheap life is. And we realize very quickly, because when you're in business, it's very different. Everything matters in business. When, you, when you're in prison, the, the, the value of things is, is, is so much lower. So like, you know, that person's crossed that person, kill him. That person didn't pay me 20 pound. They kill them. It's like they, they wait for them. They attack them. It's, Did that happen quite a lot then? Oh, you? it's crazy. Really? Crazy. I watched a whole wing in Ramby, in HMP Ramby, which is up towards sort of Nottinghamshire, Doncaster. I watched a whole wing get taken over by the prisoners. 
And they were literally fighting the, um, the prison guards. They took over the whole wing. They were setting fire to the place, throwing all the mattresses out into the central netting. It, and I, I was only there a week. <laughs> and, I was like, <laughs> and I was like, and I remember being, I remember being on the phone to my dad on the, these little blue box phones where you have like a credit amount and you can call these selected numbers that are added on. And I remember like calling, I was on the phone to my dad and I was like, dad, you would not believe what the fuck I am looking at. This is insane. And it was literally, I was describing that to him. And I said, imagine, I, I remember the words come up in my mouth was, imagine every prison movie you've ever watched times it by a hundred. <laughs> I was like, this is insane shit. But did, you, did anything, cause obviously you come from that now to build yeah. what is a, you know, an incredibly fast growing company. Anything you learned while you were doing your time that you now kind of embed in your life now? Oh, 100%. There was, there was this one incident that happened to me. And um, I, even towards, in my last four weeks, five weeks, I'd humbled a lot, but I still had this little thing that wasn't, it was a still a little bit dancing a bit too close to the fire. Anyway, I remember we, in open prison, which was the last few months of my sentence, we were, um, we were having, um, we were playing 11 side football on the field, right? And this was like every Sunday. And you still look forward to it. It's literally yeah. like cup final day in there. Of course, cool. so what I used to play, and um, and I remember like there was a guy who used to mark me every week. He was an older guy. He was a proper dickhead. And he and he was just like one of those guys. He was a lifer. So yeah. he was in there for a long time, you know, and um, I think he committed his crime when he was 19 or so. Um, anyway, long and short of it was, I'm waiting for this ball to get kicked up towards me. Um, he's kind of tussling with me and all this sort of stuff. I sort of sh- I was a bigger guy than him. I shrug him off. I'm waiting for this ball to come over. Next thing, whack. I am seeing stars. The guy has cheap shot me. He's thumped me so fucking hard. In my, I think my jaw's still off now. <laughs> like, um, like cheap shot me from behind. And I am literally seeing stars like every. I don't know where I am. Am I knocked out? Am I like on the floor? And I look down and there's blood like pissing out of my mouth onto my hand like pouring, like gushing. The prison officers were just arseholes, right? These are, these, are, these are like minimum wage guys that are just like, they love the, they love causing trouble, believe it or not. They're as bad as the fucking prisoners. The guard looks at me, right? Now imagine, just, just, just to paint the setting, you're in a, a game of 11 aside with 22 prisoners. You've got a lot of the prison around the sidelines watching the game. And then he looks at me, I'm spitting blood on my hands. And he says to me, are you all right? Is there something wrong? And I've gone, like, I'm, I'm like in shock. Like, yeah. I've just been fucking thumped. And um, he was basically, what he wanted me to do, because I'm not a stupid guy. Yeah. What he wanted me to do in front of 22 prisoners and the, the whole fucking prison was to turn around in front of everyone and go, he's just punched me, yeah. which makes me a grass. And... That is the worst thing. I wouldn't have got off the fucking pitch alive if I'd have said that. And I just looked at him and I was like, this is like time stood still. And I, you know, when you want to say something and you're like, don't say it, don't say it. And I was like, nothing. And I got on with the game and carried on. And I was, you know, anyway, that moment was the most humbling moment of my life because what happened was as I got off, obviously my ego had come through right I'm going to do him. I'm going to fucking do him. I've got all the people who know me. Come on, let's go to his fucking cell and do him. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fucking do him. 
And then this one guy is like an older guy. He just grabs me. He goes, Tyler, like, come for a little walk. Because it's an open prison, so there's a lot more freedom. It's like army barracks, right? And he's just, just come for a walk with me. Calm down, you know, because I'm seething, you know. And um, he says, look, Ty, he goes, you've got four weeks left. Or five weeks, I can't remember what it was. And he says, you've probably got, you know, a future ahead of you and all this sort of stuff. He goes, you know what that guy's in for? Because he caught his, he caught his girlfriend cheating on him. And he stabbed him. He stabbed her 17 times. He goes, the problem you've got, Ty, is this guy's got nothing to lose. He's never getting out. And yeah, you might be able to go to the cell. You might be able to beat him up. But then he is going to take it to the next level. And he said to me, I'm not telling you what to do. He said, but just be mindful. The minute you do that, you've got to be prepared to go to the next level. Are you prepared to go to the next level? I said, no, I'm not. Yeah. And that was when I knew that I'm not, I'm not a fucking bad man. I'm not, I'm not cut out for that life. That was never a level I was willing to go to. And the weird thing was, was this decap prison was um, quite small. So imagine I'm walking past this guy like four or five times and he's punched me. And I just, four weeks, it was the longest four weeks of my life. And- um, What was it like when you walked out? Ah, oh, heaven. It was heaven because Weirdly, it was like, I remember the morning, it was like really, really sunny. And I'd clean my cell about four times just to get, because I was up at 5 a.m. knowing I was going at 10. I was sat at the bench by reception at like 9.30, just for half an hour waiting. And the weird thing was I'd had these home visits where, um, you know, and your family's all really nice to you when you come home and they're like, oh, do you want anything? What do you want to eat? Do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? And it's like, oh, this is all right. This is. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then when my dad's picking me up at the gates in the car park, and I'm like, oh, you know, they're all going to be really nice to me. No, nah, it was the complete opposite. Oh, really? <laughs> His face was like fucking thunder. It was, it was the complete opposite. And he literally said to me, he nearly, he nearly fucking, he nearly threw punches at me in the fucking <laughs> car park. He was oh, like, God. do you know what you've put this fucking family through? Do you, do you really understand? You ever do anything like this, where you know you're not part of this family anymore? That kind of thing. And I was, it was a quiet ride home. Did that stick with you in what you oh, said? Oh, it was yeah. just insane. I hurt, I hurt my family so much. And, uh, and, and in answer to your question, um, what I took from that is that, first of all, from that experience is you, no one's invincible. Yeah. You're very, very uh, disposable in this world. And the second thing is that um, I had, I've, and I'm always going to have a, a direct and almost borderline aggressive quality in me which in the wrong environment can be channeled extremely badly. But that quality that was effectively my worst quality is actually my best quality in business. Yeah. Because I've realized I'm not a big man. I'm not gonna go around punching people up, trying to be hard, because there's always gonna be someone harder. There's always gonna be someone willing to go further than you. And frankly, there's, it's not a fulfilling life. You don't get anything out of it. It's actually quite a low intelligence. Now, I was yeah. always quite an intelligent guy as well. So it was a weird, Balance, because usually people like that are very low intelligence. So I, um, I just channel it into my business. I have this trigger and these blocks when I know a conversation is going further than it needs to, or whether I need to apply intelligence instead of aggression. And these trigger points wouldn't have happened had I not have gone to prison. So it was weird because the the personality alteration that it created was something that I don't recommend anyone should go through. I think there are a lot easier ways yeah. to learn that lesson. But unfortunately, I was one of these people that had to learn every lesson the fucking hard way. And obviously now you're in a sector, luxury real estate. Mm. It's 
doggy dog out there. It's a, it's an interesting world. I, in my opinion, it's dominated by rich white kids. Dominate yes. that little sector. How obviously, because you've made massive waves over the last couple of years, and I think mm-hmm. everyone can see that. How has it been coming up against the archetypal yeah. suits and ties, but they're all kind of ill fitting? You know, <laughs> they, they don't like you. I mean, you're sharp. You're, you're a sharply dressed chap. You obviously take pride in your appearance. And have you had a lot of animosity from other agents? Because I feel like what you're doing is how I'd love to do it. If I was yeah, a real estate yeah, agent, yeah. how I'd love yeah. to do it. Yeah. How have you found the market kind of reception to yourself? And yeah, I think, and I think that like, um, you know, it was, it was always very controversial because you're effectively breaking the status quo. But um, for me, it was, it's, it's necessary because the industry for me is a bit of a joke. And, you know, when you look at it in comparison to other countries like Australia and America, you know, you've got your Josh Altman's, your Ryan Serhant's, and, you know, and they're just the tip of an iceberg. And that iceberg is fucking massive. You know, you've got realtors we've never heard of that are earning $2 million, $3 million a month. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, then you go, you know, and what what I can't stand is the low standards in Britain. So when I look at like the likes of the top, you know, I won't mention the names, but we all know the household estate agency luxury brands. Yes, they're, they're, you know, they've got the properties. Some of them have had television shows, but the reality is that none of them are earning any fucking money. So, you know, you know, you can dress it up as much as you want, they're top, top, top agent in the whole business selling the UK's best properties will be lucky to break 80 grand a year. Lucky. And that's in PAYE, where fucking 40, 50% of that gets ripped off in tax. That's mad. They was broke as when I started. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, that's something when when we first met, so, I mean, me and Tyrone, you met a few weeks ago, obviously we mutual contacts and stuff. Mm -hmm. And one thing that stood out was almost your kind of passion for your team to make yeah. to make money. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of bosses out there that are keen to just, you know, cream off the profits, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But you actually have an active desire for your guys to go and buy Lamborghinis, yes. to go and buy Ferraris. And I think that comes across a lot on your Instagram. How does it feel when you do see some of your team go out there and get the Lambos, get the Ferraris, is that? Because the Lambos is something you're quite synonymous with. You're quite yeah, famous absolutely. with Lambo. And all yeah, that I think shows. we were having a bit of a laugh yeah. about it because we saw some agency who tried to replicate it. Yeah. And they like, you know, if you go on their profile, they're like some luxury agency and they've got like six listings live and they're like, oh yeah, <laughs> I've bought this Lamborghini. It's like, no, you haven't. You haven't sold any houses. Yeah. You just come from a rich family and you can afford a Lamborghini. Like, don't try and copy what we've done. We've got people who've bought supercars that started with absolutely nothing, have followed our process of how to list, how to sell, how to get owners the best price, and in turn have built businesses where they can buy supercars. Even things, one of my favorite ones was Brett Graham. Brett Graham in our business, he, um, you know, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but he got sacked from like three jobs before. Two of them were estate agencies. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's picked up like an 80 grand car. He's 24, 25. And I ate, and I'm just seeing him when he's like, all right, Tiny gets out of his suicide doors and all this. I just fucking love it. I just think that's what it's about. And, you know, for me, I love the fact that, you know, there are, there's no losers in our scenario. There's no losers at Tyrone Ash Real Estate. You know, we're talking about people earning 10, 15, 20,000 pounds per sale. 
Um, we've got people earning 50, 60, 70 grand a month. What's the biggest commission you've seen so far? Um, we've got had a few people who've been paid out 60 grand in a sale. So like 120, 130 grand fees. Right. Um, it's not bad, is it's it? It's not bad at all. Um, you know, we've got another one, an 8 million pound house that's exchanging the next 48 hours. Um, you know, and the reality is that it gives me massive pleasure in doing this. Yes, I earn off it. But the reality yeah. is, is that it's a partnership. Yeah. So I explain to people that join the business is that, look, look, you're not working for a corporate company and you're underneath the company. And if you sell a billion houses, you might buy a Ferrari one day, which never comes. It's literally, if you follow these steps, follow the, the prospecting guide that I, that, that I give you and I teach you, follow the way that we list houses, follow the way that we market them, follow the way that we price them, follow the strategies for selling them. You will earn this much money and I can reverse engineer the numbers to make that happen for you. And in turn, here are a number of success stories of people that have done it. So is, is the training quite a big thing at Tyronash? Is that one of the main points to get your agents to come aboard? So how, talk me through the process, how does it work? So. Uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm Colin from Essex. I want to come yeah. and join Tyrone. How does that, how, how would that work? Talk yeah, through. I mean, obviously I can give you the basics of it. What I can't do is give you everything because yeah, I don't, because I don't yeah. want our, I mean, to be fair, I could tell all our competitors everything yeah. they do. They wouldn't be able to do it. But like, um, the reality is, is that when um, agents come into partnership, what they're getting, and I, the best way I explain it to people is imagine you and a mate are both quite good at estate agencies. Yeah. So what you do is you decide, Right, I'm gonna, we're going to set up our own estate agency. The problem you've got is you need to get an office, you need to get your right move, Zoopla, your website, your CRM systems, and all yeah. the other costs, including your insurances, and blah, 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 as well as your property redress scheme, property ombudsman, all that sort of stuff. Um, as well as marketing, you've got no social media presence, you've got no nothing, it's just you and your mate starting an estate agency. You're probably 150 grand in the hole before you know it, and... Yeah you're not gonna start pulling money in until probably 12 months, eight, eight months, nine months, something like that. And on top of that, you're a worse version than the corporate agencies on your high street. So you're always behind, yeah. you're always behind. We'll replace your mate, your imaginary mate, with Tyrone Ash Real Estate. So we come in, we're a nationally recognized brand. We've had our own television show. We are by far the most innovative company in the luxury end of the market. We're the largest on social media by a country mile. We have training platforms that cover every incremental subject. It's almost, I hate to say, but it's almost an idiot's guide to selling luxury yeah. real estate. Everything from how to prospect, how many calls you need to make, how many you need to close, how many market appraisals you need to sit, how you carry out the market appraisal from start to finish, what to talk about with the owners, how to build rapport, how to hold your fees, how to close a bit. I'm talking everything we go through in structured training videos and platforms right through to live masterclass sessions that we run three times a week. Um, Pete, the only thing I'd say that's bad about it is you'll be sick to death of the sound of my voice, but everyone else has got a <laughs> so fucking you, do you, do you do the training then? Yeah. You yeah. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so invested. I've seen some of the stuff on social. I saw it on obviously all yeah. chat, we'll touch on the TV in a minute, yeah, yeah. but... Um, like in big auditoriums and stuff. Is that like, yeah, yeah. Is, so, that how, is that how it works to train and stuff? No, so we do Zoom, live Zoom sessions, which are like you three times a week. Yeah. And then every month, um, we have a monthly team meeting where everyone must attend in the business. We do some really in-depth training where we're getting everyone involved. Um, this could be sharing best practices. We could literally exhaust a subject that maybe people need help on. Could be things like pricing properties, how to do your research correctly, how to market correctly through social media all these different things, um, and we will knuck, knuckle down on that subject in person. 
Then we'll, we'll do a lot of recognition, a lot of awards. Then we have the quarterly awards. The quarterly awards is the big one. That's like a black tie event. It's a really high profile venue. Everyone gets dressed to the nines. Huge awards, huge accolades, huge recognition. And that's the one you want to be recognized on. Um, and yeah, so we, we have a lot of awards, a lot of training and a lot of structures in place because some of the companies that I were, went to when um, they offered me like self-employed real estate kind of jobs, they go, right, there's your monthly fee. Here's a bit of training for you to do. There'll be some guy like running a training session who's never fucking sold a house in his life. And I literally would, cause I'm like that. And I would literally say in the middle of training with 20 people there, like how many fucking houses have you sold? What's your exchange yeah. figures? The managing directors of these companies haven't sold fucking anything. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm an agent. Like I love this industry. I, I ask to go on market appraisals with people yeah. just cause I miss it. Because I've got this weird burning desire to sit in front of luxury homeowners and explain a strategy. I get a kick out of them listening to it and it being that much better than what a high street agent does. And they go, fucking hell, that's amazing. I think people forget that you used to be on the streets doing the prospecting. I think people forget you're an actual, you were, the, you were yeah, an agent working with absolutely, people. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. People, I mean, they see all the success, but they forget the hard work it's taken to actually- Oh, 100%. Get, and and it, was like a, it was like a rabbit hole of research, you know, it was something where I kind of, you'd go into a subject and then I'd be like, right, how do I get better at that? How do I get better at that? And before I know it, I'm two weeks in researching how to master prospecting. And then before you know it, I've implemented a system that works for agents that's super like digestible, really easy to use and do. And then they, before you know it, they go, yeah, done the training. And then you see them in the business chat, in the WhatsApp group, MA booked, MA booked, MA booked, MA booked. And it's like, right, that, that um, reverse kind of connection between that result back to the system that I've put in place, I get a massive kick out of that because I know what I'm doing works and I get constant reminders every day that it works. Because, and, and that's what reinforces it. Like, uh, for me, the prospecting is the make or break for an agent. If they can't prospect, they, they Most can't. Most can't. can't. They can't. And they, uh, can't or won't. 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 It's, we, I, I, I sat at an agency a couple of years ago. Um, I thought I was Billy Big Bulls. I thought yeah. I was the other business went not went well. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. I'm going to sat at an agency. So yeah. a fortune on it. And everything you just said a minute ago is bang on. It's so expensive yeah. to do it. You don't make any money for 12 months. Yeah. And unless you're prepared to go out there and knock on doors and That's make phone calls, you're going to get anywhere, mate. No. So it's, I think it's, it's fine. One thing that I think a lot of people want to hear about is, is obviously Mega Mansion Hunters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the show. Um, obviously, I can relate to it and certain things I can't talk about at the moment. Yeah, but um, things are coming for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was... How was how was it being on TV's yeah. experience and not many people get to experience? Mm -hmm. Talk me through it. I think um, how did it come about first? Yeah, of course? I think I knew it was going to come. There was big talk. I got approached by about twenty different production companies that all said this channel, this channel, this channel is looking for TV shows. So I knew there was going to be an influx of property TV shows coming on because I think four yeah. or five different channels were looking for them. Um, we got approached by Channel 4 first. It was a production company that was close to Channel 4. They said, we will get you on Channel 4. I said, the only way I'd be interested is if you make sure we're the first on TV because I don't want to be one of an influx, uh, which is now happening. Um, and I'll explain why in a minute. So we were the first to really get on there that was a proper real estate-based you know, uh, television show. 
the reality is is that um, the show was the show was a lot of fun. Um, it was very time consuming. I wasn't one hundred percent happy with the final edit. They cut out some amazing scenes, and they I think they tried to make it a little bit too raw. Yeah. And actually, they could have polished it up a little bit. They still keep some of the raw scenes in, but there was some fantastic scenes and some amazing venues. It kind of felt like they didn't know what angle they were, if they were going down reality. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Going yeah, down they factual, yeah, yeah. They kind of... Well, here's an interesting fact for you, right? Which is what the hardest thing was about the whole thing. We had the most... Unbe- and we had some phenomenal houses on there anyway, but what I'm talking, we had a 25 million pound house in Belgravia. We had a 12 million pound house in Sullingdale. We had an, an, a load more that had all agreed to be on the show. These were like show-stopping houses that we were selling, right? So we got these agreement for these pro- these properties to be on the show. Um, and then they told us what the name was. Now, it wasn't Mega Mansion Hunters. The name, until four weeks before it went live, was Property Porn Stars. <laughs> Fucking hell. Sounds like something I used to watch in my own time, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, and when I say the amount of property owners that pulled out of the show, I probably shouldn't use the word pull out, but... Um, <laughs> 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 it's fine, mate. Speak free, mate. It's fine. It's going to roll with me on this. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, the amount that, that, that withdrew their properties um, because of the name, and then four weeks before, they go, oh, by the way, we're changing it to Mega Mansion. I was, I was like, do you know how many properties you've lost us? Yeah. So I've got an article in a frame in the Times, and it says, like, welcome the property porn stars. And that was because that's what it was being called. We had this huge double-page spread in the Times about it. And, um, you know, I was... Re- but, but we made it work, and we got some amazing properties on there. Um, they made it a little bit too raw, but it got the exposure. We couldn't have asked. The one thing that came out of it, and I've, I've got to be honest, was um, we had, when I say that the lady who was doing our PR was absolutely fantastic. She was, um, I think she was called Rachel. She was fantastic. She's from Channel 4. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And she, when I say, I don't think, I don't think she could have, I don't think she could have got us on any more like publicity wise than she could have like i mean she had me and chloe were on this morning with phil and holly um how was we, that That's that was really good that was really nice. good that was quite that was probably the most nervous i've ever been <laughs> like, yeah that was a bit nervous i'll tell you what because they've got very distinctive voices haven't they yeah you know when you're waiting in the studio you can hear them talking and they're, they're talking about you and they're introducing you like they're doing the ad breaks and stuff and you think fucking it was like the most famous person you met in your little tape did you was it like a tv press run then straight before it came out or was it as it was on I'd say they the were probably run? the best uh, the, the, the highest profile and then we had loads of kind of coverage on social media loads of adverts loads of trailers everyone was going oh I've just seen your trailer just seen your oh. trailer and it's still even with that build up only grossed about a million or so views and that was quite disappointing for me I mean my Instagram account gets like one and a half million what's interesting about what you're saying is that's mad because you're saying I think it's a testimony to you mate and your success yeah. is that you've got a million fucking views mm. you're like Disappointed that. Do you yeah. know what I mean, how many people would love for a fucking million views? Like, <laughs> I've got ten thousand views. Mate. It's like a million, mate. So yeah, yeah fair fucks. But how many? So I mean, what were you hoping for? Uh, I don't know, three or four million. But I just like I think that um, it got us out there massively. And um, the one thing is, is you know, we're a nationally recognised brand now. And the good thing is, is it's not just exposure. You know, people can go on to like how many listings we've got live. We're in the you know hundreds and hundreds of multi-million pound listings. I see these luxury real estate companies. Go on their right move accounts. Yeah. They've got like 
20 listings live, five listings live. One's been around for like seven or eight years. This is another self-employed brokerage. They've got a TV show coming up. They're making out their luxury agents. They've got like 70 listings live and they've got over 100 agents. It's like 0.6 listing per agent. The maths don't even add up. You ain't fucking making money. Oh, I mean, I've seen some of these other companies that do the similar model yeah. to you guys. And do you, do you find it flattering or insulting? Or does it wind you up when people copy what you're doing? <laughs> I mean, it's happening so often now. Yeah, I've seen loads of yeah, people do it as you do It's literally it embarrassing. Yeah. I think you spoke to me about that guy who was like collecting his Lamborghini and we yeah. just were laughing about it. And it was like, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that I don't get insulted by it because, you know, what people don't realize is that what they're doing now to copy us, we've already made plans to be so far ahead in the next three or four months when I say not a person in the UK isn't going to know who Tyrone Ash Real Estate is by Christmas, mark my fucking words, because there is plans that are so fucking big. People, if, if you think that was it, that was me in gear two. Yeah. I'm just about to shift it up to gear three. I think you get like a really nice Christmas jingle on the radio. I think that would be good. That'd though. be nice. Me yeah. singing, maybe. Can you sing? No. <laughs> but that might be better, actually. Maybe, yeah. I mean, would you go to TV again? Would you, would you? I would do TV, but it has How to. would you see that? How? What would you um, see? I think what what production companies need to realise, okay, is you can, you can dress up a business, right? So there are beautiful houses in the UK, okay? So you can find a business, you can put these agents in front of these properties and you can go, yeah, it's a TV show. That's what they're doing. Yeah. And there's another three or four shows that are coming out. That's what they're doing. The problem is the agents aren't making money. Our agents are making serious fucking money. They're driving serious cars. They've got whopping great big bank accounts and they're selling big fucking houses. And what a television show or channel needs to understand before they even start getting back in contact with me again is we are that far ahead of anyone that's doing anything like that in the UK. Then once you acknowledge that, then come and talk to me. Because I'm not willing to be put into the same category as everyone else. It's not happening. I rate that, mate. I rate that. That's, that's decent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite inspired now. So. <laughs> so I actually wrote down some... I've got some random questions to ask you, mate, because I'm okay, a bit cool. weird. No, I, I like weird. Do you like crisps? Um, you don't I strike do. me. You, you don't, you, you're in good shape. No, I think, I think w when I eat crisps, usually if I'm hungover and I could eat what? like five bags... What is your favourite bag? I, I met Chris Moyles recently. And Chris Moyles, didn't yeah, Chris he Moyles. likes Chris. Yeah, and I was like, I liked, the first thing I said to him, I was like, "What's your favorite bag of crisps?" And he's like, "Who the fuck is this kid?" Yeah. But what's yeah. your favorite bag of crisps? Um, oh, that's easy. Barbecue hula hoops. Interesting. That's a first, mate. That's a solid, solid. Choice. Anyone who who has them knows. They, are they know. Yeah. Someone said skips to me the other day. No, absolutely not. No, no, I've lost right. trust in them instantly. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did. Mate. I think I did. Blocked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, blocked. And on, so with Candid, like it's been going for like fourth season now. So it's great to have business. And I think what I like is to kind of get to know you a bit more as a person yeah, as well. Yeah. Cause I think that's part of your selling point as well. Yeah, like yeah, we all know you can do the job. We've all seen it and we'll continue to see that. Um, what in day off, if you have a day off, yeah. you have to have a day off for the, for the, for the scenario. Yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Uh, I think um, the one thing that I love to do is um, I have to go to the gym first thing in the day, yeah. whether I've got a day off or not. What's your split? Um, at the moment, what I've got, so I've got this nutritional coach who does all my training as well. He's fantastic. Um, so I'm on this system called FST7. So I do like chest and tries one day, back and buys one day, shoulders and traps another day, legs, 
legs another day and I, I went a full body workout as well. That sounds all right, actually, yeah. It's about five to six solid days and I'll have a day or two's rest. I'll get one of them sessions done in the morning with a bit of cardio. Then I like to, it all depends, but I mean, I like to spend time with my girlfriend. I think that, you know, she's, um, you know, the, the, we, we always like kind of going to nice places, going to nice restaurants. That's always a good thing for us to do in the evening. Um, a lot of restaurants now are sort of inviting us there because we're doing like these little, well, she's doing these little food reviews and all that. So that's really cool. Um, and then I think, honestly, I love watching football. It's you, you sport? I'm a Villa fan. Um okay which is, is heartbreaking um, because we just don't have anything to, to, to kind of celebrate. But I think the funny thing is, is I think I'm weirdly obsessed with being a Villa fan because it's that frustration that attracts me to them. Yeah. It's like they're never quite getting it. And, um, you know, if I was like a Chelsea fan or a Man City fan, it's like, okay, you've got another thing to celebrate, nothing to celebrate. You have to dig deep to be a Villa fan. Yeah, you really right. do. You, you're really hanging on to any little win you can get. Do you want Gerard in or do you want him out? I think he's going to pull it around. I think he's going to pull it around. The, the performance against Man City, I went to watch him. Um, and that was dedication. Everyone says I'm a serious Villa fan, right? So I got me and my brother got up at 11 a.m. Not yeah. how we were out for 11 a.m. The game kicked off at 5.30. Met my dad in Birmingham City Centre. We had a really nice day together. Had some food. Went to watch the game. Villa ground out a draw with Man City, yeah, I mean, which yeah. I thought was brilliant. And we should have won it, by the way. Yeah. We should have won it. That's how Gerard knows tactically we got it right. And he's a good manager. He just needs some time. Um, and then I didn't get back till like midnight, one, one in the morning. And I just thought, I remember getting off the train and we were falling asleep on the train. Yeah. And I said to my brother, I was like, you couldn't do this every Saturday, could you? <laughs> For a draw. For a draw. It's a lot. <laughs> but I, lo I love watching football. And I, th I think the reason I love it is I grew up playing it. Um, it's a beautiful game. And also, you know, do you know what? For an hour and a half, it's the only thing that just grabs my attention. I don't think about work. Yeah. Like I could talk about the game, what's going on in the game, the tactics, the players, all that sort of stuff. And before you know it, an hour and a half's gone. My brain feels really cleared out. Can you switch, can you switch off? Um, no, I think that's the, the one thing that I, I really struggle with. I think, um, would you say that's all because I'm not to be too personal. What would you say is your biggest weakness? Um, I think that I punish myself a lot for the whole prison thing. I think that you know, the um, the the, the pain it kind of caused, you know, my family and stuff. Um, I always make sure that I give every day a hundred percent now because. I don't ever want to go back to that. I, it scares me a little bit. And, um, you know, I think that when I get up in the morning, I um, I just, it doesn't matter how I feel, whether it's good, bad, tired, awake, whatever, just get up and do it, get it done, give it 110%. And if you do that every day, then you'll get to where you need to go. And I think that, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a weakness because I think there's a lot of other things that can creep into your life that can make you a weaker person. Yeah. But, um I put a hell of a lot of pressure on myself, a hell of a lot. But that's the only that's the only way I get the best out of myself. Oh, fair, mate. I mean, have you? So I feel like so I'm not how you talk, and I think you are probably to your employees as like a almost like a mentor. Yeah. So did you have one yourself, or do you still have one now? I don't, think I've, I don't think I've ever had a clear mentor. I've had some positive influences. I've had some people who influenced me positive in in real estate. I've had people who've helped me when I wasn't in a great position, but. A full-on mentor. The problem is, is that you know people say about like um, 
you know, find someone who's in, you know, who's done what you want to do and imitate what they're doing. The problem is, is no one's done what I am doing in the UK. There are people who run successful estate agents, but they couldn't give me advice on what I'm doing in this business. Just the same as there are people who run successful real estate companies in America, but it's not the UK market. And um, I think that, um, you know, I've taken positive influences from the likes of like, from audiobooks, from like people I listen to, self-developments like Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, Tom Panos, the real estate coach, like all these different people that are um, really, really brilliant in their industry. I just get the best of all of them because I believe that what we do as real estate, I don't count estate agency in this, but in our version of luxury real estate, you've got to be an entrepreneur. You've got to be amazing at social media. You've got to be fucking good at real estate. And you've got to be very, very driven. Yeah. So all of those mentors cover all those areas and I kind of throw it all in together along with my drive and aggression. And, um, you yeah. know, and then I, and, and, and I get somewhere with it. I rate that. I mean, it's so, I don't know, it's, it's lovely to hear because as an entrepreneur, businessman myself, it's, it's, it's very cathartic when you hear someone go through their, their journey and kind of everything they've learned and stuff. And what's, without giving away too much of your secrets, yeah. Uh, I guess it's probably the last question I'm going to ask today, yeah. but five years' time, mm-hmm. and we do this again. Yes. What are we going to, what are we going to be talking about? How, how has it gone over the last five years? Yeah. I, I, I will have, um, us as a business, Tyrone Ash Real Estate, will have turned over the biggest names in the UK property industry, the biggest. And I mean that. And it's, there is no other option. The funny thing is I've heard through the grapevine that all the top CEOs of these companies know exactly who I am, they know exactly what we're doing, and they should be very, very fucking scared because I'm telling you, I don't get up and think about anything else. Nothing else comes into my trail of thinking. So in five years' time, if that hasn't happened, then I've failed, and I don't like failing. I think you will, mate, to be fair. And some of those big companies, which we can't discuss their names, Hate them. Oh, so. I, think, I think everyone does. I think everyone does. You know, we I speak to many kind of 80-90% of our business comes from taking it off these companies. And um, you know, everyone's sick of it because the reality is they've marketed themselves brilliantly and you've got to credit them on that. The names are recognized, the brands are recognized, and I rate that so highly. But it's everything underneath that brand and the internal structures of that which is the problem. I have absolutely no doubt you'll get there, mate. No, thank you. And you know, I'm, I'm very, very excited for it. That might have been fantastic. Thanks for your honesty. Thanks for your, your candle. And um, <laughs> I look forward to watching you, Jay. So thank you, mate. Appreciate, no, appreciate it. it. Nice one. Thank Cheers. you, mate. Cheers.